Hello and welcome to Mikey Pod Podcast, episode 346 for August 8th, 2022. Today's guest is Anik Adele, an international stand-up comedian who started stand-up comedy in San Francisco and now lives in New York City and Berlin. Uh, not at the same time. Back and forth. This is a really great interview. <laughs> it was a sincerely fantastic interview. And I really love the way Anik lives in the worlds between storytelling and comedy. We'll talk a lot about that and a lot of the other bridges that Anik uh, bridges and other spaces that Anik bridges. You'll you'll understand when you listen. Now, I'm your host, by the way, Michael Heron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. On this podcast, I have conversations with fellow creators who use their creativity to change the world. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for over 17 years. If you like what you hear, subscribe using the colorful buttons in the sidebar and footer at MikeyPod.com. You can search MikeyPod in your favorite podcast podcast directory, um, period. <laughs> if you'd like to know more about me, stop by my website at michaelheron.com. Hit me up on social media everywhere as at michaelheron or email me at mikeypod at gmail.com. Welcome to the show. Uh, my world, websites, I'm still working on them and they, they're looking so much better and I'm really having a good time learning how to do this stuff. <laughs> I really feel like getting right into the interview, but I want to check in with a couple of things and th these are the rest of them. I've been back on track with being creative. I'm feeling excited about publishing this podcast and these great interviews I'm having. And finally, Discord. If you're are you a Discord user? I have a Discord server set up that I use just for patrons, um, but I've been thinking I could extend that and and have like general podcast conversation space or you know whatever else. I'm getting really burnt out and fried on social media, and also discovering how it affects my mood to spend a lot of time on it in the way that I do, and it's just as much my problem as it is social media's problem. Um, but I think that might be an interesting way to continue connect with people, which I love to do in uh, a safe space, if you will. Uh, is that something you're interested in? You know what? I'm making it happen. I'm just going to make the Discord server public. I'll put some, I'll put a link in the show notes of this episode and feel free to join me. Like I would love to talk to more people who listen to this podcast. And that concludes my check-in. <laughs> Before we do get into the interview, um, I want to thank my subscribers on Patreon for powering this podcast. These are people who subscribe for $5 or more a month and get special perks like tons of free downloads of my music and zines and bonus podcasts. Uh, there are 80-something bonus podcasts now, and there will be yet another one this week. Uh, Anik stayed with me after our conversation that you're about to hear, and we did a pretty extended bonus conversation, which is great. A lot of times... I, I don't want to make anyone feel left out, but a lot of times those, you know, I feel like we get warmed up in the main conversation and some really good stuff comes out in the bonus as well. Um, not to say that this, I could go back and forth about this all day. Not to say that the interview you're about to hear isn't great too, because it was also fantastic. So I think you really just need to become a patron and you can tell me which is better if either of them are. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Michael Heron. Let's get into the interview. Here we go. Joining me now on the podcast is Anik Adele, who is releasing a brand new comedy album, Between Two Worlds, which is out August 12th, 2022. I say with a question mark, just making sure I have that date right. Welcome to the podcast, Anik. Hi, Michael. Yes, you got it right. Yay. I'm very excited. I've been listening to the album. I love it. 
And I've been really loving talking to comedians because I do storytelling and music and stuff like that. And I feel like comedy is storytelling in a lot of ways. And your album really feels like it touches that sort of memoir feel. Is that something you attended or is that just kind of how things fell into place for you? An album, it's it's funny. It's it's not super commonly known, but it's it's the first step you take as a comedian to publish your art right your your stuff so um it's audio it's non-video it's a couple of jokes and the main reason you do it is to get a feel to people hey this is me these are my topics and um and yeah and so it's kind of an introduction to the world first with audio and then if people like it you advance to video and audio so that's kind of what it what, what we're dealing with um so now i completely forgot the question <laughs> <laughs> the question was about um, like the kind of All memoir feel. Yeah, like the topics. Mm. And, and so it's like, it feels like a, a one-person show in a way, like in, mm. in that way of like telling your story. It's a very, very good question because that's, in stand-up, unlike in storytelling, you can tell a story. And, a lot, and there's, there's, you know, there's so many categories of people doing stand-up. So there's characters, right? There's storytellers, there's one-liners, um, and there's anything in between, um, and a storytelling comedian will be one of those who go, who go, oh, I went to the store, and then this happened, and then my mom came up, and it's a long story, but there's little fun bits and pieces in between. Um, and I wouldn't say I'm one of those comedians because I, I don't start with a long story and then tell it, you know, oh, and then in 1975 I did this. No, but. What if you don't become a storytelling comedian like that? There's still an 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 angle of um, including storytelling um, basics in your stand-up routine. And if you do an album, you almost have to have a little bit of that. So what's what's what are your topics? How are they related? Are they related? Are they not related? What's the message you want to bring out? At least that's how I approach it because I didn't want to just be like. Ooh, cotton balls, am I right? And then, ooh, to- <laughs> toilet paper, am I right? So I kind of wanted to um, to bring a little story and message, but it's very hard to do if you're not a storytelling comedian. So what you end up doing is doing bits that you know you have and like and try to put them together in a way so that they kind of feel like a story Um or a concept, I guess. And so it took me a while to get there. But yeah, that's that's exactly what I was aiming for. So I'm happy to hear that you picked up on that. Yeah. Oh, and I, I appreciate the way that it, it has, it kind of, well, I, I'm using a word that you use in your bio that I actually want to talk to you about, but you kind of bridge bridge between storytelling and comedy because it doesn't feel mm. like, like you were mentioning, it's not like a heavy-handed one person show type feel where you know like it's just like here's what happened it feel it goes it bounces nicely between the two things um so you don't even really realize it's either while you realize it's both does that even make sense oh i love that (laughs) well you're much smarter than me that's for sure uh i did i did intend to have a little bit of a sequence at the same time stand-up comedy lives and and i want to do stand-up comedy in a way that it's in the moment and in a flow right so you're going to get interrupted by that couple that drops the beer or this guy is getting up or this person is laughing super loud or this german i had a german person yelling out at me in the crowd right i had all these things coming up and so you can't be stuck in your ways and just kind of read a 
you know, read a script. But at the same time, is there a way to connect the, the things and ultimately do tell a story, even though you're not, you know, telling a story? Yeah, there was there was something you said in the in the beginning. I can't remember exactly how you said it, um, but it was about as you were kind of uh, coming up with the concept, that whole that was something along the lines of what you want the audience to come away with or what what your kind of message is of the piece. Did, yeah. Did, um, did you have something like that as you were putting this together? I didn't have it in the beginning. And then uh, right before the show, literally one or two days before, I was like, I kind of want to. I mean, you know, it's you don't want to be preachy. You don't stand up comedians. We're not. You know, we're not politicians. We're not philosophers that much. But I definitely want to use my stand-up so that people laugh at things when they're in the show, but that they go home and they go, oh, I never, you know, I never thought of that. The two spirits, oh, that, oh, that's Native American for LGBTQI. I never knew that. You know, stuff like that. I just want, um, or I have this piece about the atrocities, right? It's, it's a heavy piece, you know, like in my country, Germany, huge atrocity here, a couple of atrocities, right? How do we talk about it? And it's not easy, you know, people are going to be a little bit uneasy, but I try to make it so that we laugh about something and then you go home and you're like, mm, there's a point. <laughs> yeah. Cause you kind of like, I think that's what art really has the capacity to do that other types of um, activism, if you want to call it that, mm really can't do because like if you're standing on a street protesting mm. and demanding something which we should be doing like <laughs> i feel like that's completely valid a lot of people are going to be like no i'm mm. not going to do that just because you're asking me but if yeah. it's in a comedy show or uh, like a you know whatever type of art form people are more open to absorbing the art and doing what you're saying of like planting that little seed while people are like <laughs> having fun and then like wait a minute yeah i think i did learn something new i hear you because every time you're told to do something it's a little harder to accept whether whereas if it's like more of an invitation then people can take it or not you can't control that but if it's an invitation and they take it it feels probably more like on their terms and that's fair you know but at the same time you're right activism is super important still also so i don't want to trash that at all yeah um yeah and i think they both serve their own purposes potentially for the same for the same yeah. goal there's the part of your bio that i really love because like two things i think it's really interesting just from an artist's standpoint um, look, I'm formulating how to ask these questions because it's I in two pieces. It. But one of them is that you um, you were a corporate lawyer. Is that right? You worked in the corporate world. I did. And then you decided to become a comedian or embrace being a comedian. Did you already feel you were doing that? Um, that's oh, yeah, so good questions. Um, so I think isn't being a comedian is, is is a little bit of an identity, I guess. But um, to me, anyways, when you start, you know, finding jobs after an education, you don't think about the arts that much because you're you're on a trajectory, right? I studied law, so of course I'm going to be a lawyer. Um, and I started in a in a 
in a good good old law firm and then I got in-house and worked for a tech company in San Francisco and then um, I think but in the back of your head though there's this this other element right the artist and mm, it sometimes it takes a long time to find the actual channel or the actual format of that art and artist that you can do um, and that was certainly my case but when I did it resonated so well because I was looking now you're looking back and like yeah you always try to be the funniest person in the room you always try to make everybody laugh especially the women <laughs> I don't know why right <laughs> and so um, it's it's a coping mechanism it's a social mechanism and and so when i started doing stand i was like yeah i mean i guess you've always kind of been this comedian in a way and you just didn't know it existed right in the first place germany is not super known for its stand-up comedy culture so <laughs> you know when i moved to the u.s and um it, it enforced um this wish to start doing it it took a lot of mm, Guts, I will say, to leave corporate and just go. That's it. I'm doing. I'm doing stand up, but I'm. I'm very glad I did. Mm, it's. I think one of the things that's fascinating to me about that is that it took a long time for me to sort of embrace doing music and the different stuff that I do. But I couldn't really, because of the person I am, I couldn't really commit to anything else. Mm. So I was a waiter. So like it was, you know, as I was really like no, really, I'm going to go do music. It, it, anything seemed better than being a waiter. Like, and you know, like was maybe equally as, um, profitable, maybe being a waiter is a little more profitable sometimes than being an artist. But to, to hear that you went from being, um, in the corporate world where I assume like you had a solid salary and, and all that kind of stuff and making the choice to go to the art, to go to the art world and really embrace that. Um, I don't know if there's a question there, but it's really just like, whoa, like it feels like a bigger commitment somehow, like uh, it, in the money world, I guess. I, th I, th I think that's interesting you frame it that way because I sometimes felt like it's also because you have so much to lose, the, the decision to switch becomes um, harder, right? Whereas I think if you, I, I would assume, I don't know, but if you're a waiter, and you're like, oh, I, I feel like there's something else. And then you do music in your case, right? And you're like, oh, I love this. I'm not making a lot of money, so I'm going to stick with the waiting. And the right, you do it simultaneously. Mm, I could imagine that that's a decision you can take because if it doesn't work, you just go back to waiting tables. I think in the corporate world, um, I don't want to. I mean, obviously, I it's 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 also. I think it's not a hundred percent decisions, right? I still kept doing a little bit of law. I have my own law firm now, right? So okay. I, I, so well because I comedy for the longest time makes zero money, right? Actually, <laughs> minus you know, like for traveling, you spend money on traveling. And, oh, for sure, yeah, yeah, and so in in the it's in the beginning, you you're not you're losing money, right? And so um. I, I did that a little bit. So I have, you know, this, I guess, version. I found this version where it's not zero or a hundred, but mm -hmm. uh, a little bit of support. Um, but obviously over time I got, you know, the lawyering business <laughs> goes down and then your art business goes up. Um, but yeah, I think that the, the problem is you do one job and you're like, this is, this isn't it. This is not it. There's something else. And 
some people pursue it, some don't. And I think if you pursue it like we did, it's just, ah, it's just so rewarding. Yeah. And it's easier having just made the commitment in a way, you know, like, um, I don't even know what the follow up to that is. (laughs) You know, I feel like it was a really big struggle, like to make the decision. And maybe it's because I went through that struggle that it feels easy to be an artist person (laughs) now, Mm -hmm. but like it, it, it seemed really hard to like, I'm like define myself as an artist or, you know, like, but now that I've sort of have done like, okay, whatever, that's just what I do now. I, I relate to that. Like in the beginning, you're doing a couple of open mics and people go, oh, so you're a comedian. You're like, well, I did a couple of mics. I don't know if that's a comedian. So it, it takes a while for you to assume this new persona or this side of you. Um, but in a way, to your point, earlier point, maybe we were the artists all along. We just didn't do it. You know? Yeah, that's so funny. Like, I feel like I'm going a little too far down the rabbit hole. But there was a moment when I was in high school, and this was in the 80s, I was wearing these like brightly colored socks that my mm. pants were tucked into. Nice. And my, my mom said something like, oh, like you're supposed to wear stuff like that. You're, you're a musician or you're an artist. I can't remember what it was. And I remember having this moment of like, I am? Like someone just told me, like I was, I was doing music and stuff, but it's really Aww. funny, like thinking back to that, those little moments. I can't remember what you said that made me think of that, but oh, it's a nice, oh, it's so nice. I know. <laughs> the, the other spot, um, this, this uh, line I love from your bio, um, which I don't know if you, <laughs> if you intended for it to be like, oh, this is amazing. People are going to love this. But you bridge, the, you bridge uh, the corporate world and art, and you also bridge the space between male and female, which I think like thinking of those two bridges and now also like the other bridge that I (laughs) noticed between storytelling and comedy. Well, let's talk about that bridge between male and female because you identify as non-binary and you talk about Mm -hmm. this a lot in the, Mm -hmm. in the show, which is a easier place I think for people to be able to kind of be open to learning about that too. Yeah. Is that what you found? So maybe to start, I, I, I struggled talking about it because I didn't, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be known for just one thing. We're way mm-hmm. too complex to be known for one thing. And I know that every, I, I'll say minority person or any person probably is struggling with just, you know, being identified with one single thing because we're not. But at the same time, this was going on for me. And so I was like, all right, I want to talk about it a little bit, but I, I didn't want to make it heavy too, right? Because that's my approach in life generally, right? Um, talk about atrocities is not easy. Talk about gender is not easy. Um, and I didn't, not that these topics are light, but is there a way to talk about it lightly so that people can actually perceive and, you know, think about it? Because to your point earlier, if you, if you shove it in people's faces or make it too heavy, then they're like, ugh, you know, and, what I wanted is just to, which is my definition of art, is to show what I have to contribute, right? What's the God in me, the light in me, the whatever you want to call it in Buddhism, right? This, what's in me that you don't know about and that I can share and I can, and if you, again, an offering if you want to, like have a look. And um, 
obviously wanted to make it funny in that, you know, let's also laugh about this stuff. It's so confusing and so weird. And uh, I had this woman after the show come up to me and that's when I, I realized we joke about things as comedians, but sometimes it hits a nerve, right? So this woman comes up to me after the shit. I think it was the second show because we taped on two nights and uh, she's in tears, man. And I'm like, Ooh, what happened? And she's like, Oh, I'm so thankful. I have a trans kid. Um, not that I'm trans, but you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. um, and representation matters. And I'm like, well, you know, yeah, I was making jokes about being horny because of testosterone, and I was like, "Ooh," <laughs> you know. And I, it felt I felt a little more of the responsibility that comes with, you know, talking about these kind of things as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, um, maybe that's the spectrum we're on. Also, to talk about things, make it light, but then also it means th something to people, and again, it inspires discussions and. You know, I mean, the, the cowboy head in Dallas, Texas, where I talk about gender, he's probably never heard about non-binary. And here I am talking about this stuff. And then he goes home and says, all right, I've never heard of that. Okay, never mind. You know, and hmm. and if that's what I do with my comedy, ooh, perfect. I like what you were saying, like, toward the beginning of that response, I guess, uh, to my somewhat sort of question yeah. slash statement, that, like, that feeling of not wanting to be, like, identified as, any one part of who you are. Right. I totally relate to that. And I also like, you know, that feeling of, so, uh, sometimes I feel resentful about being a performer and also being a gay performer and like, you know, feeling a responsibility to be visible, but also like, but that's not exactly what I'm about. Like, that's not mm. what the point of this is. You know, mm. like, we're in a in a different place where people do need to be educated about certain things that are about us, right. um, but it's not the only thing about us. And it's it's it feels like a, a responsibility that I love, and I love those moments when you're like, oh, someone gets it because of what I do. But also like, ah, maybe I don't want to do that right now. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I mean. We're, we're people, right? And we talk yeah. about our things and it, it goes the other way too, right? But I have, you know, some people, ugh, you talk about gender a lot. I'm like, do I? Because I don't feel like that's a, right. but also it's going on for me. So if things are going on for you because your grandma died and you were at the funeral and there's stuff going on there, you would want to talk about it, you know, and, and or your girlfriend, just the equivalent side of things. And if you don't want to talk about it, I think there should also be an understanding of, okay, well, then you're free to just sometimes like in interviews. And I, I started using that, you know, when they're like, oh, we want to talk about your gender journey. And I'm like, I'll talk 20% of the time, mm. but I don't want to talk only about gender. Does that work for you? So I started setting a little bit of boundaries around this, but um, I hear you. There's a little bit of, you know, people have fought so hard for rights and things, and and here we are just going. I don't want to talk about it. But yeah. So I think everyone has to make a decision of what's the contribution, and it ha it can be talking about it, but it can also be other things, right? So one of the things I think is interesting about you, and now I'm realizing it's another bridge. Things that you bridge is living, um, splitting your time between the United States, New York City, and Germany. 
Um, and you're originally from Germany, is that right? Correct. So born in Paris, but raised in Germany, and then since eight years or so now in uh, in America. So it's interesting to do comedy in a land that's not your passport land, and you, more importantly, you haven't been raised in, right? So so many topics are new. Um, some not just you know pop culture or stuff like that, but also stereotypes or how people react to things that the attention span isn't that you know long you gotta move quickly or mm, jaded being jaded is being cool you know stuff like that where you're like wow i didn't oh okay and so it got it take it took me a long time to to kind of understand the culture and then make fun in that culture about my stuff that i want to talk about so yeah, it's definitely a bridge there. Is Germany like a very stand-up comedy place? No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, I, was I mean, like it would not as be. you would expect. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a, it's it was actually one of my first jokes. I was like, I tell people I'm a, I'm a German stand-up comedian. They're like, Oh wait, that's the joke, right? And they're like, <laughs> Oh god. But oh, no. um, it's kind of true. I mean, Germany has has a lot of art. As as a musician, you probably know this much better than me. Um, so a lot of musicians, a lot of poets, a lot of writers. Um, but that's you know that's like ancient stuff as well. And so comedy has only ever been political satire, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not a political comedian at all. And um, and stand up culture did not exist when I was growing up at all. So I, the first time I heard about an open mic was in America. There's something I noticed about the way the album is recorded. This is like, I think, just audio nerd yeah. <laughs> observation. It feels really like, did you have a mic also in the audience? Like, I feel like some of the audience reactions are very like crisp and it feels like you're really sitting in the audience. Oh, that's funny that you say that. So we had, I had a, I had a person who knows this stuff because I'm, I'm just a comedian. I don't know how to do this. Yeah. And he was recording me with a hot, I guess it's called a hot mic, but I don't know. That sounds right. And then he had three other mics in the audience just because the, the thing with stand-up is there's a reaction, right? And if you only have the hot mic, you get the laughters, you know, pick up on the hot mic, but it's not very loud. So sometimes that gets you into thinking, oh, this person bombed horribly. Nobody laughed at this stuff. You yeah. Know? And so it's it's not even a trick, but it's more like, okay, yeah, well, it, it, comedy is a dialogue in a way, right? Mm-hmm. And especially if you do crowd work, that was the other reason we had it in there. What is the responses and can we pick them up? And if it's a hot mic, you won't hear it. So um, you, you're absolutely right. The comedy, the the sound nerd in you detected <laughs> the whole thing. Well, it's really nice because I was listening to you. I was walking around like, you know, doing house household stuff this morning, sure. listening to the album, and it was really like, oh yeah, like it sounds. It's nice. They did a great job. Ah, it's very well, immersive. That's awesome. <laughs> the guy is, was also so sweet, and yes, also very nerdy. And I, I have a, I have a thing for nerds. So yeah, I also do. Okay, good. <laughs> well, we should wrap up this part of our oh. conversation, um, but not without talking about and telling everyone where the best place to get the album, where to find you online, etc. <laughs> Go. Sure. <laughs> and thanks for that opportunity. Sure. Um, 
So obviously, I'll say the best one is just Instagram. For, uh, you know, on my Instagram at Anik Adele, A double N I C K A D E double L E. Um, I might change this, but for now, that's that's my name. Um, at Anik Adele, I publish everything around the album and including in my bio the link where people can pre-order it comes out on um 12th of uh, august so uh if you pre-order it then you get it full or you wait until august 12th but the information is on my instagram so i think that's the best way to find me perfect and i'll put links to this stuff in the show notes for this podcast and if you are feeling so sad that this conversation is over and you're a patron, you can go to Patreon in a couple of days and there'll be a bonus uh, conversation with Anik, who's been so kind to offer that extra time. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me today. Of course. Thanks you so much for having me. And so we come to the end of another episode of Mikey Pod. Thanks so much for listening. And thank you, Anik, for joining me on the podcast today. Um, be sure to check out Anik's work and uh, all the show notes. You heard where to go and there are more links in the show notes. And thank you. Thanks for listening. And I will... Did I leave anything out? No. I'll see you next week. Oh, I did leave something out. Look for the bonus podcast in a couple of days on Patreon. Okay, now that's really it. Okay, bye.